I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Do you have a story that you know God has called you to share? It's not a matter of knowing that you should. The question is how. With the many hats that I wear, how do I find the time to fit one more thing in? Well, if that's you, do I have a treat in store for you today? With me on Publishing Secrets is Tyler Smith, and he's certainly a man that can identify with wearing many hats. Husband, father, professional, minister, and more. Yet it became clear to Tyler that he could no longer put it off. This was the time. And he had to answer that same question. How do I fit one more thing in? And if you listen in, I believe that you are going to get the insights that you need to be able to finally write and publish the book. Enjoy. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for making time to be with us here on Publishing Secrets. Excited about this opportunity to talk about your book, its message, and the journey that you have been on as an author. I've enjoyed our conversation thus far. You're certainly a man of many talents, so I think your story will certainly resonate with people that are juggling a lot of things. But let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and this book that you have been called to write. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to talk and uh, connect with you. And as you said, there's a lot of hats that I wear. Um, I've been in youth ministry since I was 19. So many years of uh, working with students. I've lived in Florida and Indiana for the most part, went to college in Illinois. I'm a sports writer, write for the Pacers and IU basketball for a couple different outlets, which is a lot of fun. Another one of my dream jobs. And, uh, have a wife and two daughters that are four and two. So someone is always crying in my house and it's normally me. But uh, Oh, that's funny. <laughs> normally you. Too normally cute. me, yep. <laughs> so I wrote this book that came out in 2020. And yeah, I also coach girls basketball at the, uh, the high school um, here in town that I live. So a lot going on. I love every minute of it. My life is kind of seasonal when it comes to like sports season and then When summer rolls along, it's more about like youth trips and different things and planning. And then school comes along and kind of changes. But I love it. It's great to be part of all these different things. Yeah. I mean, it's really inspiring. I think as we go through our conversation today, I think, you know, it's sometimes challenging for people to see if I'm wearing all of these hats, how do I add in this additional piece of answering this call to write? But Through God's grace, you found a way to do it. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with the audience. But let's talk a little bit more about searching for seven. As I shared with you, one of the things that really stood out for me was your 
I would say, innate storytelling ability. I don't always see that when I read a book, but that really struck me right from the very beginning when you're telling this awesome story about the moment that changed your life. So I'm curious, take us back. When did you actually start writing? I don't think this is a new thing for you. So tell us a little bit about your journey as a writer. Yeah, I was, you know, growing up through school, I always enjoyed writing. I love the story aspect. Um, I've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years. And so his incredible storytelling, he's the greatest storyteller of all time. So that mm-hmm. um, has always been a draw for me. Um, also, just when I'm at a church service or a conference or something, and whoever is speaking shares a story, I'm just immediately drawn into it. So I owe a lot to sports as well, being able to write different sports stories, because when I write for that, it's not just like, hey, here's what happened in the game. I want to find some kind of storyline that goes with it that you can dive into to you know, make people interested in what was going on. So I would say I've been writing quite a bit since high school. And really, you know, for me too, when I write sermons or when I write messages for the youth group, to me, even if I'm not publishing that, you know, writing, I'm still writing that and and brainstorming, doing different intros of stories and and things like that. So um, I think, you know, we as humans connect the most with stories. So I wanted to uh, continue to dive into that. Absolutely. Uh, You know, also what I hear as you're talking about that is often God will allow us to develop our craft based on all these different hats that you're already wearing, right? So your ability to write around sports only makes you a better author when it comes time to publish your book. The sermons, it's all connected. I'm always amazed at how intentional God is at how he orchestrates all of these things. We are often none the wiser of what is happening, but there is clearly a strategy and a plan that he has for us that equips us to do what he's called us to do. I want to talk a little bit about the story that you used to open Searching for Seven, because I I could actually... It's funny. I could almost actually visualize it as I was reading the book. Tell us a little bit about that day, the experience that changed your life and how that is so important when you think about this book that you've written. Yeah. And as you're talking there, you mentioned how incredibly intentional God is to connect everything. And that's one example, one of many examples in my life of, you know, years later, you look back and you're like, man, I cannot believe that that connects to this and how, you know, what God was doing. But basically to summarize it, there was a a random basketball game my sophomore year. I was playing JV basketball. Of course, I'm from Indiana, so basketball is everything here, but it was one game that actually led me eventually into, I believe, youth ministry, which is crazy to think how that can work, but um, I wasn't playing well. Coach yelled at me. I was kind of a know-it-all 15-year-old and, you know, talked back to the coach. He yelled at me some more, and I I remember sitting at the end of the bench thinking, this is not looking good for my career in basketball. (laughs) I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm in Indiana, so you got to be good by end of sophomore year, you know, and but the cool thing was about a minute later, the coach came back over to me and put me back in the game. I couldn't believe he did it. Um, I thought I was done for the night at least. So I go back in there and adrenaline's a wonderful thing. You know, I was mad at the situation, mad at myself. And all of a sudden I played the best half of basketball I'd ever played at that point. What happened was I found this new confidence. I started playing better with more aggressiveness. I ended up dressing varsity in a sophomore year. I played varsity max two years after that. That one game changed the trajectory of my basketball career. Well, fast forward a little bit. Um, I was missing basketball like crazy when I went to uh, Indiana State and I kept playing, kept training. I was being recruited at a Bible college to play ball. 
And God, I kid you not, the only reason I really went was to play basketball. I mean, I knew I had no interest in ministry at the time, had no interest in uh, really taking Bible courses. I was excited to be around other Christians, but that was the extent of it. I was going to be around other Christians. I was going to play basketball. That's what God used to get me to go to this Bible college. After a year of Bible college, God called me to a youth ministry, a youth group, and I thought it was going to be a summer thing, you know, just like get to work with kids. It's a cool job. And I've not stopped doing it. And uh, I was 19 at the time. So many years of doing it. And I look back and it hit me one time. I was like, man, wasn't for that one game where my confidence changed and my basketball career changed. Would I even be at the Bible college that led me to youth ministry? I mean, it's, it's crazy when you think of it that way. It absolutely is. Like I said, it's often, you know, you can look back as you have shared and you're like, oh, okay, I can see, you know, how God put all these pieces together. But in the moment, you don't always have that insight to understand what God is actually doing. And I I think there's a lesson for us there too, that sometimes things are happening, conspiring for a greater good (laughs) than the the moment, the experience that we're in. And sometimes that means that things don't go as we thought they would go, like in the instance of your basketball game. But, you know, one other thing that really stood out to me about that story is an element where you you mentioned that you found a new level of confidence. I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit because you know I often hear kind of two sides of this confidence issue. One camp kind of believing, well, there is no such thing or shouldn't be a such thing as self-confidence because you know we're valuable, you know, we're human beings and everything, mm-hmm. of course, as we know that we have, everything that we could do comes from God. But then there's also the camp that is not, of course, I don't believe downplaying the gifts and the talents that we get from God, but also believe that there is an element of being able to believe that you are capable of doing things with God as your strength. I'm I'm curious, just your point of view being in ministry and the experience that you've had. How do you think about confidence? Yeah, I mean, as the old saying goes, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance, being too prideful and feeling like your your worth, your self-worth is really not in my accomplishments, but who Christ says that I am and the ability I believe he has given me. Um, I can work hard to further those abilities, but always acknowledging that they're completely from him. And, uh, you know, I actually share this in the book that, you know, confidence for me has changed so many things in my life. I even mentioned a funny story how I would never go up to a girl and ask her out unless I heard that she had interest in me. Then I turned into a Backstreet Boy overnight and was like, hey, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that just goes with that confidence. And same thing when I started in youth ministry is like, they're asking me to, to speak in front of the whole church and just wrestling that internal struggle of like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm reminded of how you know, Moses said similar things. He's like, God, I can't speak for you. I stutter. I can't, you know, pick somebody else. And, and God's like, I made your mouth. I know you can do this. And so uh, I think as long as we are putting our confidence in him, recognizing where the abilities come from, that's a game changer when I can face every day and every challenge knowing he's got my back. He's put me in this position and it's not really my ability. It's what he's given. And I'm going to use that, you know, through him. Amen. Amen. I love that. I hope that, you know, someone that's listening right now can translate that into how it can help them 
in their journey to write. You know, sometimes we battle those questions of if we are capable, if we're qualified to be able to answer this call and how all of the pieces are going to come together. We have so many questions. We have so many fears around this process, but God enables us to do whatever he has called us to do. And he's able to give us the skills and the talents that we need. And sometimes we're going to find that we are in situations where we don't have all of the pieces, but that's the benefit of community. You know, people coming alongside us that are able to help us to stretch and to grow. So let's talk a little bit about the book and the process that you went through to publish. So I was taking a look at your book and I noticed that it came out last year during 2020. Um, And some of the people that I've talked to, you know, they really kind of leveraged the time during the pandemic to answer that call and to follow through on their book. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what that journey looked like for you. When did the idea first originate for this book? And then what was the journey like to actually making the decision to follow through and to start to write? Yeah, it was about four or five years ago that I had the idea. I I looked back and saw one of my tweets from back then about how my next journey is going to be writing a book. And I even mentioned in that tweet that I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm excited for the journey. And it was at first, it was just this idea. And I knew at some point it was going to happen, but life is busy. There's a lot going on. And so for many years, I did not make the time. I did not create the time to, uh, you know, start writing. And, and what I would do is I would write some notes. I would write some chapter ideas. I kind of knew with this first book, the direction. Um, I felt like the stories, the things that happened in my life were all fitting. I didn't have a title yet until I wrote probably five chapters, but I knew the direction was going towards this idea of what does it look like to be a Christian seven days a week? What does it look like to follow God in the routine and in everyday life? So I believe it was at the end of 2018, I had one of those moments where I could just feel a peace and a drive to like, hey, it's time. It's time to go for it. Um, I need to make time. So I actually took several weeks off of work and other responsibilities to create that space where I would go to different coffee shops and I would write. And, uh, you know, sometimes several weeks at a time, I would just go and, and I'm going to commit my normal, what I would be at, you know, working nine to five today or whatever the hours and just write, you know, create space to do that. And uh, for me, it was nothing. It wasn't like a, something I feel like, well, I, you know, this is hard work for me or something I have to do and then, like dreading it. It was an incredible, like every moment for me was joyful. Wow. You know, just listening to you, and I know we talked a little bit before we officially jumped into the interview, I share with you, I think that's the first time that I've heard someone say that they made the decision to take time off from work to create the space to write. For you, Tyler, why was it important to take that step versus, you know, trying to fit it in uh, amongst all the different hats that you wear. What was really driving that decision to be very strategic in taking some time off? I think for me, it goes back to even my prayer life. You know, I feel like if I'm out in nature, if I am removing distractions, I'm more focused on God in that moment. And I don't do it as often as I should, but I know the best work for me is going to be without distractions. So it's kind of similar to, you know, even family life. If I'm around my kids and playing, but I'm just looking at my phone, looking at email, I'm not really doing either one to its fullest capability. Um, I'm kind of splitting time. So I feel like if I'm going to do something as serious as writing and publishing a book, 
I need to create that space where there are no distractions whatsoever. And you have to be intentional about how to do that, you know, taking time off work and making sure everything is cleared. Schedule is cleared other than an emergency coming up. There's nothing that's going to like grab my attention away from this that I feel like I've been called to do. And so I know other people can possibly multitask better than that. But for me, <laughs> like if you're going to put your all into something and in, in anything, you've got to focus on that one thing at mm-hmm. a time. And so for me, that's what I had to do. Wow. And so the times that you took days off from work, it sounds like you kind of treated it as though it was a normal work day. So it wasn't just take time off, be at home, hang out on the couch and kind of write a little bit here and there. You actually made your work for that day, working on your craft of writing this book, and you did it in spaces outside of the home. I heard you talk about, you know, being in nature as well. And I I think that's a really cool tip for our audience, you know, being willing to make a decision, first of all, to take time off. If you're having trouble finding the time to write, maybe it's time to take some of those vacation days and really dedicate it to completing the assignment that God has given you. And then also environment is really, really important. So put yourself in places that will help you to be focused and to avoid distractions. And let's talk about, you talked about nature. Were there any other places that were helpful to you in being able to accomplish this goal of focusing on your writing? Lots of coffee shops. Um, I would actually go to several of the chapters that I wrote were in coffee shops that I'd never been in before. So, and I mentioned this in the book, I feel like everything should lead us to worship. Even if it's, I'm sipping a a wonderful coffee that I love, or I hear a song that I love, I see the stars, or I, you know, I'm out in nature, hanging out with friends, all these things should call us into worship. And so for me to be most creative and most, uh, I guess, in tune with God and, and what he wants me to do, those environments are key. I feel like some writers, maybe they find their one go-to spot and they feel like this is the place that there's no distractions. I think I had a a couple moments where this coffee shop's maybe a little too busy or a little too noisy Mm -hmm. right now for me to, to really focus, but got the AirPods, you know, I can kind of zone in, but there were times too, and just going out in nature and, you know, to a park bench or, you know, outside a patio where I can look out and see God's creation and, and be inspired by it. Yeah. I love that because, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about it and you even said this a little bit ago, it doesn't feel like there was this heaviness around writing. And for some aspiring authors, I definitely hear that. It's like this burden of writing this book, but you made it a bit of an adventure, you know, going to different coffee houses, sitting on park benches. So writing doesn't have to be a painful, just drudgery type of experience. You can actually enjoy the process of writing. So thank you for sharing that. That's huge. That's huge. Now let's talk a little bit about, you know, after you had completed writing your book and now you're taking the steps to take this message that God has given you and to get it out so that people can actually read it. I'm curious, any challenges along the way as you were going through that process or was everything pretty smooth sailing? Like it sounds like the writing process was. Yeah. For this book, everything was pretty smooth sailing. I think if I was to start another one, it would be more challenging because for this one, I feel like my whole life was leading up to it. And I'm not saying that I shared, you know, every single, you know, story of my life for the first one and there's nothing left. There's still plenty of stories to tell, but um, I think 
all the years leading up to it, I was like, this story's got to be in there, this one. And there's some new things that happened along the way that went into it. But I think for me, I was also lucky with, you know, who ended up being the publisher and actually kind of an interesting story. I was about like the very day that I was about to go with one publisher, I get this email saying, hey, we'd, we'd like to uh, talk to you. And that's what I ended up going with afterwards. Wow. So really cool moment there. You know, God was working in that moment for sure. But I, I think what I want to encourage people with is a lot of endeavors in life, there will be big challenges, but push through, you know, keep going. Even if you feel like, is it worth it? Is there going to be anyone that cares? Is it, you know, who knows what's going to happen with this? If you feel called to do it, push through the challenges. For me, for this particular endeavor, the challenges were more just, again, finding the time and the editing process and figuring out, you know, this chapter may fit here and kind of tweaking. But for me, that was all fun. So it was a fun kind of challenge. But if you do face setbacks, if you hear a lot of no's, if you, you know, whatever the case may be, keep pushing through if you feel called to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, as you were sharing that, Tyler, it even takes me back to that same story because there was also that moment where you decided that the challenges that you were experiencing were not going to stop you <laughs> from accomplishing your goal. Yes, you had some help because the coach put you back in the game, but think about it. There are many times where we get second chances, but our response to those opportunities isn't always the same. Uh, sometimes we, you know, sulk or feel bad about how it went prior and we don't take advantage of the opportunity, but your mindset in that moment with God's help allowed you to be able to push through those challenges and be able to move forward. And as you've said, who knows how life would have been different if that hadn't happened. So it's my prayer that someone listening to us today, wherever their challenges may be, whether um, it's in finding the time the writing process or the publishing process that they will be inspired by your journey. So let's talk a little bit about how people can learn more about you, get their hands on a copy of the book. Where should our listening audience go to get connected with you? I think the best place is the book's website because not only can you find some links for, you know, to purchase the book, but there's other opportunities as well where you can find my blog, you can find my Twitter accounts, you can send me a direct message on the contact form. So really any kind of connection at all is all through there. And uh, that would be at searchingforseven.com. I love that. And notice that, that you went ahead and got the domain <laughs> registered for your book, which is really smart. It's not a big investment. It's really inexpensive, but I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. You know, sometimes you can go, you're looking for it. And you're like, no, it's already taken. Yeah. Uh, so really, really wise to go ahead and secure that. And that's another tip for our audience that's listening. If you feel that there's a certain name that God is calling you to use or a certain name that you want to use to build the branding for the book, go ahead and register that domain so that you can have it at your disposal. Let's talk a little bit more about what else uh, you are up to. What's next for you now that the book is published? Uh, several speaking engagements. And uh, my life is pretty seasonal because when basketball season rolls around, not only am I coaching varsity girls basketball team, but I'm also a sports writer. So I, I go to Pacer games or IU games and write stories. So for those, you know, three, four, five, sometimes up to six months out of the year, very busy with uh, basketball. Summer rolls around and I'm doing a lot of youth trips. We go to conferences and a mission trip and things of that nature and a lot of planning for what's coming up. 
a lot of family time. And uh, yeah, I think uh, between the speaking engagements, book promotion, preparing for the next basketball season, just enjoying life and, uh, you know, continuing to may sound cliche, but, you know, live every day the best that I can and continue to uh, create and see what God has for me next. Amen. So Publishing Secrets family, if you know someone that could benefit from this message that God has called Tyler to take of searching for God in our everyday experiences and how to, I think there's also a message of how to allow God to lead you and understand that there is intentionality in all that he does, then please get connected, visit his website, and maybe send a few speaking engagements his way, whether they are virtual or in person. Let's help him get this message out to more people so more people can really grow in their relationship with God. Well, Tyler, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be here with us today. I want to ask you to do us a favor before you leave us and get back to your busy schedule. Maybe there's someone listening to us today that is in that space of time where they've heard the call to write, the idea is there, it's been planted, but they haven't yet taken action. They haven't pulled the trigger. So maybe they're in that space of time between when you sent that tweet Mm -hmm. and actually following through and getting started with the writing process, what piece of advice would you give to that person who's listening to us right now? I think first and foremost, if you ever feel called by God to do anything, do whatever it takes to take action. For me, even though there was a few years in there where I was kind of waiting and and not fully taking action, I think there was still a lot of creative ideas flowing and I would still occasionally write notes and I knew I still had a direction. I knew it was coming. So for you, instead of maybe putting it off to where, you know, one day I'll do this or tomorrow or the you know, next day, try to think of a plan, surround yourself with people who are going to, you know, help you in your pursuit, but believe fully that if you ever even felt even a nudge from God, that there's a reason for it. And that could be anything like, you know, a nudge to talk to someone, a nudge to make that phone call or whatever, start saying yes. I got a full chapter on, you know, saying yes and how it's changed my life. Say yes to different opportunities that come up instead of thinking like, this is an obligation or whatever. No, this is an opportunity. Take that opportunity and try to remove any doubt that may creep into your mind, you know, that the powers of darkness may try to throw at you. You know, they may say like, no one cares, no one's going to read this, you know, whatever celebrate the fact that you have a call, you have, you know, the ability to do that, find some help and go after it. And I think that's the main thing is if you, if you ever feel that call, you've got to take action, even if it's not immediate, but start planning for it, you know, direction, where are we headed is very, very important. And so, um, yeah, I would say, say yes to the call, make a plan because I've heard it said a goal without a plan is just a wish. So make a plan to go after it. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. 
So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.